Okay. Cool. Corey. What's up? What is up, dude? You want to intro yourself? For everyone uh, who don't know so. Corey. You do uh, yeah, my name is Corey Connors. Uh, I currently live in Montreal, Quebec. Um, I work for the government as a for the youth protection as a security guard, as an intervention agent. I also referee basketball all across Quebec and Canada itself. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's lit. That's, that's cool. Lit. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're so like, I mean, there's that and then and then some, because you're just like a comedian, I feel like. Just a personality. It's like Yes, like, it's I, so, I, was, I don't I know. know if I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, uh, Bella, you could go ahead with the first question. Okay, how did you get into basketball? What position do you play? Um, I don't necessarily play basketball anymore. I used to play. I used to play for Vanguard College as a shooting guard. And then as I started in 2014 as a referee. So now I currently referee basketball at a collegial level, Division Two at the moment. So yeah, that's what I do now. That's lit, cool. dude. Um, but yeah, okay. So you played, you did play basketball at one point in time. Yeah, I did. I bet. I played from, from 2014 to 2017. That's okay. Cool. 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 What position or positions did you play? I played the shooting guard position. So I was a secondary uh, ball handler and I uh, was playing for the Vanier Cheetahs at division two. <laughs> I bet. Yo, Vanier gang, like do it. Like what's on gang for sure. Um, okay, cool. And like, so that was the highest, like, that's the level you played at. How was that for you? Did like, it was a good time? Uh, it? At the time, well, I, at the time I was a young player, right? So I wasn't really necessarily familiar with the politics that happened, you know, in every sport, every, every sport right. is a different type of pol policies and stuff like that. So it yeah. took a while for me to get accustomed. I didn't get to play as much as I wish, but yeah. that's part of the growing pains when you join yeah. a team like that you know what I mean but yeah that is one of the highest levels I played at so but it was a good lear learning curve for me so I applied those skill sets that I learned playing at division two level to everyday life you know what I mean so that's what I end up working how, how so like specifically? so basically dealing with that type of adversity not being able to like when you as a player think that you're adequate enough to play on the court and you don't like that's a type of hardship that you have to deal with you know how do you deal with it do you look uh, do you look at it negatively saying oh why me why am i being penalized or do you look as motivation okay i'll give them reasons for me to play unfortunately in my case i was more like i pity myself at the time and it was more frustrating it was it pushed me to almost the point of quitting multiple times but i stuck through it i ended up playing the three years and whatnot but at the end of the day i think it was a good experience because i would have regretted it. if i did quit at the time i would have regretted it because now i would never have be able to apply those learning thing those things that I learned at the time to now so like dealing with not being able to play when you want to play knowing having to sim like submit your role like when you think you could play a bigger role and you have to play a smaller role like just knowing yourself and your self-worth so all those things combined made me the person I am today so that's what I could say for that I love that I love mm -hmm. that yeah so Honestly. And what got you into basketball? Sorry, I cut you off, Grant. No problem. What got me into basketball? Actually, I started basketball late. So what, I'm 25 now. I started playing, maybe, I could say seriously, or maybe around 13 or 14. Um, my best friend, um, my good longtime friend, Jordan, I, I saw him playing basketball at like an intercity level and a competitive level, and I always wanted to play at that kind of level. But since I started late, it took a little while for me to get 
my skill set up to par to compare compared to everyone else. So it took a little longer, but otherwise I saw all my friends were playing basketball. I liked it and it got like, it just allowed me to clear my head and just forget about everything in those time, in those 45 minutes of playing. You know what I mean? Definitely. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. So you said you, you started late, but it's like, what's late? Cause like, I mean, later in life, I understand, but it's like, well, I don't know if, you're, if you like it, you like it regardless yeah, of the age, true. right? Well, if you're talking about wanting to play a competitive level, you would yeah. want to start as early as, as I would say, right. five, if yeah. not three. I mean, just learning how to dribble the ball, pass, yeah, sure. stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So for me, starting at age 14 and everyone's at my at my age has already surpassed the level right. that I'm already starting at, like, you're playing catch up, but. Right, right, right. Did you play sports before that? Uh, yeah, I didn't play on any professional team, but like I was always an active kid, right? So I was playing football, soccer, you know, playing the field, track and field. I was doing all types of things. You know what I mean, so, even in high school, I was on the football team, the track star team and all that stuff. I got athlete of the year when I graduated. So, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great which, It was high school? Riverdale High School. It's closed now. But right, yeah. right. Shout out Riverdale. RIP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out Riverdale. Yeah, that's good. Cool, cool, cool. And how did like so like for other player going to a referee like obviously it's a whole different perspective. Like, what was that like for you? You were just like, damn. Like, to be honest, it is a different perspective, but I felt like it was more of an advantage for me because me being a player, I know what player tendencies can be like. So mm -hmm. having that knowledge already and applying to me being a, a a referee, like it became very useful because now when I see players are getting frustrated or they're not or they're acting a particular way, I could, I, I could sympathize with them because I understand where they're coming from, you know what I mean? So yeah. when I speak to them, I have a way of reasoning with them to understand where I'm coming from as official because we're trained to officiate a game in a particular way compared to, and players are trained in a particular way how to play the game, right? So like right. it goes hand in hand, you know what I mean? So obviously I had my fair share where people weren't too fond of my calls and stuff like that, but that's part of the game, you know? Like not everyone's going to, like or appreciate your calls you make but oh, that's like sure. you have right? you have the parents like yo ref bad call my kid didn't do this yes. you have the coaches like whatever yes. you have the kids on kids like it's like crazy that i played like okay. i played water polo for over 10 years i played like soccer anyways like the my parents there were those parents that were like yo send my kid like what are you doing my kid didn't do that they don't get a penalty i'm like yo it's like <laughs> Like yeah, the and sometimes it's even harder too at yeah. times when, especially when coaches know you and players know you, yeah. and you start to begin, you start to um, develop this type of relationship or this ambiance about yourself and how you carry yourself on the court. It goes a long way, right? So, the way we interact with our coaches and players, it it says a lot. Like you could be a referee that pays no mind to that, and you just go in, ref the game, and leave. Right. But if you build a relationship with these people. And you take the time to explain where you're coming from. It, it yeah. translates well sometimes. So sure. I, I, I take time into uh, explaining my calls and stuff like that. Even after games, play, parents have met me outside the game, sometimes yeah. not in the greatest mood and just want to express their concerns. And I'll take the <laughs> extra time to explain where I'm coming from. And sometimes they agree with me, sometimes they don't. But at the end of the day, I will take the time to explain where I'm coming from because I think it's worth it. I think because not every parent is out there to protect their kid For and sure. so are the coaches and I totally get that I understand that and it can be frustrating at times where you feel like a game need to be officiated in a particular way and you're not meeting up to their standards but you can't please everyone 
all you can do is the best wish you can and in your capabilities, right? So that's yeah, how sure. that's how it goes for me. For sure. Have you ever had a parent like heckle you or like after the game? Oh, like, oh, what's good? like what yeah. do you have any like particular experience like where you were like, yo, like um, so when I first started taking refereeing serious, it was maybe my first, my rookie year or sophomore year, I would say. Um, I was refereeing an adult league. So okay. nice. so to when you want to take refereeing serious, sometimes you need to be put in hostile environments so you can know how to adjust them when later on in your career, right? So I was refereeing an adult league, and these are full-grown men that used to play university ball or overseas or whatever the case may be. So they're seasoned. They have, they have an understanding of the game. And I'm here, this 18, 19 year old kid, just trying to figure out the ins and outs of the game. And one guy was just not happy with the calls I'm making. And then he just met me outside in the parking lot and was just, yeah. And just, it went south from there. But at the end of the day, like, <laughs> there's not much, there's not much I can do that can change that. You know what I mean? Like obviously I'm not going to, yeah counter myself into a fight even though it could be intriguing at times but at the end of the day you know it doesn't really phase me to be honest those added leagues have helped me be more of a patient more understanding referee when it comes to intense situations like that so yeah I've had a few of those I have parents meet me outside I have parents heckle me during the game halftime all you name it they i've been called the n-word i've been they have insulted my mother they've said all types of things so i've heard my fair share <laughs> wild dude that's yeah well go off sir because you're clearly very mature and very like adequate at your job for you not like i don't know i feel like i've seen refs i've seen like even in like the nfl level like through like in person and on tv just because i love watching football live and in tv but it's like um you see these refs and they like sometimes they go off and the coaches go off and I'm like you're you know you're on camera you know like you're being mm -hmm. watched right now yeah so at the yeah and sometimes parents forget like we're here for the kids right like like yeah. we want to set an example for the kids so it wouldn't do no justice by me just seeping down to the parents level by using profanity and all that stuff so like it's not it's not going to do anything better to be honest it's, to be honest it's just going to make the situation worsen or just go south from there so my job is to reason, to apply the rules of what I know, um, apply it based on my interpretation and go from there. And if the parents still don't understand, then like I said, they could always search up the rules themselves because sometimes <laughs> parents think they know it all, but like, again, like <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just is what it is. Sometimes you just take it as you take it as you go. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Bella, do you want to go ahead with the uh, next the next question? Oh, yeah, sure. Would you see yourself doing anything else in life? Or is like this is, you know, um, to be honest, I see myself doing refereeing basketball because that's where where my heart lies. It's I'm truly passionate about it. Um, I've been I gives me the time to invest in the community because like some games I don't always get paid for. Sometimes I'll volunteer my time and go referee a game. And it gets the time to connect with the kids, right? And just show showing my passion, I hope to inspire other people. So that's why I rather invest my time, devote my time into that. And I mean, because it's it's genuine. It's not artificial. It's not because I'm getting paid. Yes, I do get paid to referee, but like that's not my main cause. My main cause is just because I love the game so much, I'm willing to contribute whatever it takes. That's awesome. Honestly, and uh, we know you are 
an ambassador for Renaissance era, which is so awesome. How did that happen? Like come to fruition? How did that, like, how'd you go about that? Where you um, did them or vice versa? Uh, my friend Kamal Simpson is actually the co-founder of the Renaissance era. And he asked me yeah. to be a part of it to help bring the Montreal community together by creating different activities, fundraisers and tournaments and stuff like that. So I said, why not? Like, it's a great way to bring everyone together, especially in this difficult time, especially with COVID and racism all over the world and stuff like that. So I find he brought up a good point. He says Montreal is so based on trends and what's trending and stuff like that. And like we, and I feel like, and he's like, I feel like Montreal is so quick to put other people down what they do in Montreal and that we never big up the people that do the things they do in Montreal, right? We're so quick to encourage other places like Toronto artists or UK artists or whatever the case may be and what genre they do. So he's like, I want to create a, a platform where we can bring Montreal artists, whether it's music, basketball, um, being an artist and painting or whatnot, just bring them together. So just creating all different types of platforms to bring them together in this Montreal community. I love that. Honestly. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Um, just because you know, obviously, like, you're, I agree with you, like, it's the trend, it's a hashtag BLM, it's the, it's the, oh, like, change now, whatever, like, no, like, people are, you know, like, when there was all the protests and everything, like, in the spring and summer, it was, like, everyone's out, like, you know, a lot of, everyone was, like, yeah, yeah, like, Breonna Taylor, just, like, you no, know, Justin, some peace, and it's, like, where are y'all at now? Yeah, exactly, like, like, people, like, people forget, like, Black Lives Matter is not just, um, a trend is actual life movement it's an ongoing process you know what I mean so people who just do it because oh everyone else is doing it let me show my face and just say oh black lives matter but like how much does black lives matter mean to you I'm not saying that you have to um parade it like everywhere but like you need to just show time some type of support and that's the support goes a long way so the fact that like it's not really spoke about much now because nothing's happening but like there's so much happening behind the doors that we don't even know about, right? Oh, so it's just like yeah. even the whole like I assume you heard about like the whole like um kind of like I took offense to it too just because like I'm Greek, like I'm half Greek, so I use like hair products that are not mainstream, like they have they're catered to my hair. And the whole thing like with Jean Kitsu and with uh, Unipri that had happened. Mm -hmm. Um oh, I saw that incident. Um it's kind of hard to comment on that because I wasn't there. Right. per se I don't, like real like we only see what's being shown right we don't see the before or the aftermath right, so right. based on what's happening in that video precisely like at the end of the day I I kind of understand where the manager's coming from because she's doing what's being told by the government and I understand where the black client is trying to find a particular hair product that suit her hairstyle and it's not and she's not able to meet her standards so it right. it's a very complex difficult situation so the fact that like it's like that it just opens up the question to saying why is this not available for us but this is available for everyone else so do we want to go first direct say oh this is racism that's like when you when in a spot like that you don't really get much room to sympathize with anything else so it, it becomes a difficult situation so for that i just find like that should be available to everyone like if that's what if that's how our hair grows and that's the products that we need for it to grow like why is it not available for us but that's a particular product product is available for you guys so it's just it's just a 
question of where is the where do you draw the line definitely you know I mean? so if i don't understand how candy could be essential but right. that particular product for us is not essential it's, no, it's it's ludicrous honestly like it's literally like dumb because like i literally like and i literally like i was just roaming like <laughs> it sounds like sus but i was roaming the streets no i was doing like adult activities like just yeah. Like running errands <laughs> like, um, and I was like I forgot and I walked in I'm like yo I need like um what did I I need like as basically like for makeup and stuff I use like organic only because I had sense like super sensitive skin and like hair and everything and like I forgot and I was like yo oh my god the whole thing's closed off and this woman um my French is my third language and so as anyways and she was like I don't speak English and I was like okay and then she was like, yeah, it's like closed off. And I'm like, you know what? I literally forgot. Like, I, it took me a second, but I forgot. Like, you don't just like, you're in your, like, like your head and you're thinking about no. stuff you have to do and you forget it's COVID and you forget everything. And you're just like, oh, and then I'm like, this is dumb. And then I'm like, you know what? This is literally like, I'm not, like, I wasn't going to pull a Karen, but I was like, you know what? I went to see the manager because I was buying stuff anyways. And she was at the cash. And I know this like, Jean Ketsu, because it's near my place in Verdun. And I'm just like, you know, this is like, like I, t I was like, it's systemic. It's, I understand it's the government telling you, but also like mm. check yourself a little, but also there's nothing the they can, like, the employees. Yeah. The government is only going to list what's available to people, what they think is essential and what they think but, is important, but they're not like, they're not sympathizing with other people and how they, how that could affect them. I mean, even like, like understand how is that not but, essential? To be honest, limiting what's not essential I, if you already have a lockdown between 8 and 5 a.m to me i think you should just leave everything open between eight, exactly. from 5 a.m to 8 p.m and then everything is just locked down so but cutting off all oh, this is not essential this is not th that that process that ideology of thinking like that it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me but hey yeah, yeah. So no for sure um, like in terms of, um, so you said like you carried a lot of like, you know, the skills that you got from being a, a like a player in a ref um, that kind of catered towards like real life and like specifically, do you have any like, I don't know, just like. I like, feel like, so being a, so translating from a player into referee, I learned to develop more patience with people right. and to watch what I say because what I can what I say can be interpreted completely differently and I've learned that self and and the things I do off off the court also plays into a factor so you always have to carry yourself in a particular way you know what I mean because everyone's watching everyone's going to recognize you as that referee especially if you end up becoming good at what you do people are going to take notice into that so it carries a lot of weight and responsibility because people are now going to be looking up to you look forward to seeing you or whatever the case may be and you still gotta hold that stature of responsibility and maturity and be able to be patient with other people especially coaches players and parents especially especially parents so that's what i that's what really resonates with me is being patient and sympathizing fair enough um yeah like i don't know just like just the corey energy <laughs> we love to see it for sure no honestly like we you know I it was like finding people like for a season three like to interview and I was just like okay who's like I don't know because I met you and I met Tashana and like some other dope people through zoom and like that was such a 
entertaining, fun experience when it, it was, was like nothing was open. It really was. Like I, I picked a guy, I picked you guys' brain and I learned different perspective and I'm open-minded to them. So it's interesting no, to learn. <laughs> For real, like we have read out a lot of stuff and I was like, y'all get out. And I'm... <laughs> Especially Sheila believing whatever she believes about Quebec right. and... Yeah, no, I mean, but like, I remember it, it, like something that stuck out to me where like I can't stand people that are uncultured and I'm like <laughs> no it's true I feel like if you are if you if your background is from that particular area in the world I feel like it's important to learn that yeah. and to carry on that tradition that's you don't have to carry on the beliefs and everything or the religious religious beliefs whatnot but I feel like it's important to yourself you owe it to yourself to learn about your culture and where you come from especially for me as a black, as a young black man being living in Canada, like there's so much that goes on in the world that I should be able to know about myself and where I come from. So I, I shout out, I send kudos to my mom and my grandparents for really taking the time to make sure I was cultured. I know my black history. I know where slave, what, what was all about slavery. I know how America was built off of slavery and stuff like that. So it's, it's important. So I feel like- What is your ethnic uh, backgrounds, by the way? So they? my mom is from Barbados and my dad is from Guyana. Oh, okay. yes. that's awesome. Wow, yeah. cool. So you're like uh, uh, first generation. No, I'm born in Canada, but so I'm more or less, I'm second generation, if that's correct. Don't quote me on that. I think so it's my parents were born there, but I'm here. Yeah, I think uh, that's first. Yeah. That's first? Okay, yeah. So then there you have it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's lit. Uh, awesome, dude, yeah. Um. But yeah, getting into like, like for me, I feel like everyone's like, yo, just because I'm plus size or a person of color or like just the origin from this ethnicity or nationality doesn't mean like I'm a role model. Like, so like from what like we've gathered, I feel like you're like, yo, I, I would love to be a role model and be mm. an ambassador. And it's like, it's so commendable. And it's like, do you have, I don't know, any words of wisdom for the youth of today or as Cyrus, like Shara Shires, the youth. Um, <laughs> like for just people like just men women um you know everybody I guess just getting into the, their craft or their sport and like just you know being wanting to be the best version of themselves like just whether that's like you know like a regular like collegiate athlete or pro athlete or, or coach or ref like do you have any anything to say to I, um if you really truly believe in something and you're truly passionate about it go all in because that's all the time. This is the time now to do it because you don't want to look back 40 years from now and say, oh, I wish I'd done this. You know what I mean? I used to love fishing, but I don't go fishing no more. Like if you yeah. love fishing, you find the time, you devote your time and go out and do that. So for me, like I make sure I schedule my work around my passion. So my passion first, work is second. My work supports my passion. So I'm able to do that. So that's how much time I'm able to devote to it because it means that much to me. So advice to the younger generation is like, don't be discouraged. Oh, because just because you think everyone thinks that what you like is not cool, who cares what other people think? If that's what you like to do, go out and do it because there's no other time to do it now. Maybe not now because of COVID, but when things open back up, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> no nah. time to waste. No, nah, definitely. definitely. A hundred percent, but yeah, no. Bella, do you have any other questions you want to ask? Well, oh yeah, sure. Uh, do you find like being a, a man of color that it impacted you in some way to where you are now? Um, in what sense? 
I guess in like all of it, like in like, I don't know. Like how, like, I guess the adversity that comes, you know, with, like, with it. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think that plays in a factor. I feel like I owe it to myself being a man of color that I need to hold myself to a higher standard and to set example. I mean, cause we're always, there's always this negative stigma against us that, oh, we're, we're, we're street thugs or we just want to be rappers or we're just, or we're like, we're not educated. There's always these not, they might not say out loud because they're not allowed now. So it'll be institutionalized to divide us. So if I can beat the odds and set myself to a higher standard, then I'm just being another role model. And that's inspiring to others. If people look at that as inspiration, then I would love to be it. So yeah, I think being a man of color does have something to do with it because I owe it to myself and I owe it to the people that have been stuck behind me. Definitely. I'd love to hear that, honestly. Um, for the shirt that you endorsed um, for the brand, like, um, like, was that, did you choose the specific? Yeah, I chose, well, me and my, me and my coworker, my colleagues, we just yeah. came up with ideas, messages, I think that resonate to us individually and think that would resonate to other people. And we yeah. put on the shirts to help promote those messages. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. no, we were like, I don't know, being like, I I went to the, I guess it was the second, um, like, protest. And, like, let me tell you, like, I did not have a, like, I screamed so loud. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yo, next time I'm bringing a blowhorn. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. I like to protest not, for not things. Exactly. Like, but, like, we, I feel like, I don't know, it's really awesome. Like, and I try, I remember, like, uh, this was a while ago, I was trying to order a shirt from Renaissance, and, like, they were, like, yo, only PayPal, and I was, like, I don't have PayPal, my PayPal's wild, and I was, like, you know what, let me just, like, figure something out, but either way, like, we thank you so much for your time, um, mm -hmm. honestly, um, like, thank you for doing this, and, like, we'll let you know, obviously, when we post in, like, the promotion is, and everything, and uh, it be awesome, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having yes, me. Yes, thank you so much. It was great meeting you. It's me too. And have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.